This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, patrons. Hey, patrons. We're so excited. Southeast patrons especially. Yeah. Or patrons who are coming to Atlanta over the holidays. Now's a great time. A very trashy New Year's. A very trashy New Year's. At Vinkmans.com. Sunday, December 29th. Vinkmans. Tickets go on sale for y'all. Tuesday, November 5th. What's the secret code? Spiderwebs. Okay. Spiderwebs is your special code to get early access to tickets Tuesday, November 5th before they go for general sale on Friday. We can't wait to see you. Come see us in Atlanta, y'all. Vinkmans.com. Tickets on sale Tuesday, November 5th for patrons. Code is spiderwebs. Keep it trashy. Bye. Bye. Alicia, will you please tell Trashy Divorces listeners what we're doing this week? Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody. Welcome. This week, I think we have Pink. Is our title song for the first time in our lineup. I think Pink's so. Just Like a Pill, which is a perfect song for the Trashy Divorces arc of Demi Moore. Yes. We're going to talk about her first husband a little, Freddie Moore, her second husband, Bruce Willis, her third husband, Ashton Kutcher. Song from Pink, Just Like a Pill, written by Pink and Dallas Austin, produced for her second album, the lyrics of the song deal with getting out of painful relationships hmm. with a sub-theme of some intense drug abuse and addiction. So does seem fairly spot on. Yeah. Yep. Song peaked at number eight on Billboard Top 100 in the U.S., performs super well internationally. It becomes her second number one single in the U.K., as well as reaches the top 10 in Ireland, the Netherlands, and Sweden. So good song. Thought it was super fitting for today's ep, and who doesn't love a little pink? Yeah, it's true. It's true. So the show's a little different today. You and I split the story right. of Demi Moore and her trashy, trashy divorces. She just released her book, Inside Out. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, probably for one of the first times today, let her tell her story. Yeah, there's a lot of, just a lot of quotations from her memoir. It's it's a compelling read it's a, it's a very compelling read this it's a one, it's a i mean this is quite a story it's not a happy <laughs> story <laughs> again but this one has everything uh let's take a take a quick gander through the list so much trashy personal behavior yes. on so many people's accounts oh yes uh also just a side note for listeners cocaine is very bad for Coke you bad. don't do it some super high level drama some sweet redemption once it all goes bad yeah I'll, yeah. Sounds like a lot of years of therapy. Uphill. Oh, and whippets. Oh, whippets, yes. Not the dog. Uphill climb. This story features a number of uphill climbs that Demi Moore has successfully climbed. So if you were looking for a story of a survivor this week, mm. a trashy, trashy survivor who has made it through hopefully the worst that can be handed to her, yeah. Demi Moore is your girl. We have some announcements. A few quick things before yeah, we start yeah. the episode. We have a live show coming up here in Atlanta on uh, December 29th. A very trashy new year. A very trashy new year. At one year. of our favorite vin- venues, Vinkman's. Yes. Let's see if I can get that out. Tickets for patrons go on sale November 5th, and you can get the code over on Patreon. And general sale starts Friday, November 8th. Also, 
We have a survey up because we want to go on the road next year and we want to know some details about where you live and stuff and who you are. So if you go to trashydivorces.com slash survey or just find it on the menu, it's very quick. I think it's five questions. Like, it's yeah, quick and, super quick basic. and easy. If you can click and complete that for us and yep. let us know your town mm-hmm. so we can come to your town on our yep. pending world tour. We hope. We hope. One day world tour. We hope. Hey, y'all, don't forget, we put out and we dropped a midweek episode this week past Thursday. Halloween. Uh, yeah, on Halloween, trick or treat. Listener letters. Y'all, we always want your listener letters. We'd love to do one or two more of these before the end of the year, maybe like a Thanksgiving and Christmas special. So send us your trash candy. Yep. We want to know. All right. What happened on Patreon this week, Alicia? Holy smoke. So much happened on Patreon this week. We had all kinds of fun on Trashy Tidbits on Thursday with Wes Craven. Oh, yeah. A little bit more about Richard Pryor, as well as the legends and origin of Halloween. Yep. Oh, Trashtrology had a special surprise drop. Yeah, you did a special on moon signs. Moon and rising signs and how they complete the trinity of your zodiac profile. Yep. Yeah, your side piece this week about just notable royal mistresses from... From through non-Tudor times, I like know pre- we moved away from yes. the Tudors, but I it was really good. A, some fine trash candy with some royal crowns over on side piece this week, where we talked about other notable royal mistresses. So a few in England, Fast Eddie the Three, of course, as well as Eddie the Four. Other ones, mainly French. Mm-hmm. So much side piece candy. And some fun facts about Marie Antoinette that you probably didn't know. (laughs) This Tuesday on Patreon, we also did an Ask Us Anything episode. Mm -hmm. Thanks to everybody who sent questions. That was a lot of fun. We hope y'all enjoyed that. So what's happening this week on Patreon? Trashier Tutors coming back. I'm so excited. If you thought Royal Mistresses was fun, Trashier Tutors this week is going to focus in on the ladies of the court of Elizabeth the first. Hmm. We're going to get the re-entrance of Pony Boy. Don't worry, he's got a little bit of action in there with the ladies of her court. Trashy Tidbits is regular. Oh, and another side piece coming for you, hot and fresh on Wednesday. Always, at least until the end of December, is that side piece runs? Uh, Christmas Eve will be our last one with a special, special surprise bonus on Christmas Eve. All right. Well, hey, who's in our magic mirror this week? Y'all, thank you so much for joining Patreon. We hope that you are loving it over there and finding all of the very best trash candy. I would like to, before we start our list for Mm -hmm. this week, give Thea, Mm -hmm. Thea, that's right. I said Thea. Right. Thank you for posting the YouTube of how to pronounce Thea. Your real shout out. Thank you, Thea, for joining Patreon. I wanted you to hear your name in the magic mirror correctly. (laughs) I have not gone back to listen to how we mispronounced it, but we understand we did mispronounce it. If I started pronouncing stuff right, would you even listen? It's the truth. Question. It's the truth. Also in our magic mirror this week. Start us out, Stacey. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Sandra J. Tracy. KCE, William D, Elizabeth J, Margaret M, Riri, Lillian, Kimberly W, Kristen K, KJA, Marsha P, Kathy M, Jenny G, Teresa E, and Andrea R. Thank Thanks, you all y'all. so much. Are the very best. 
So I think that takes care of intro business. The business. Live show, survey, listener letters, Patreon. Y'all are the very best. You ready to start this trashy divorces? Let us dive into the wacky and deeply sad life of Demi Moore. Let's go, go, go. So, Alicia, Demi Moore has written a book. She has. She has written a book. It's about Demi Moore. They say to write what you know. She knows. And she did. Well, besides the period she was blacked out, she probably remembers a lot. This is a... That's a good point. Yeah, this is a hell of a tale. This week on Trashy Divorces. Are you ready to get into it? Yes. Okay. Demi Moore, Mm. born on November 11th, 1960. So she's an Armistice Day baby. She is. She's also a Scorpio baby. So, <laughs> so please see the Trastrology episode sure. of Scorpio. But I will reference the common connection in there from the Counting Crows lyric, never just an ordinary girl. Gotcha. Demi Moore is, will never okay. be just an ordinary girl. Right. She's born in Roswell, New Mexico. Ah, aliens. Yay. Aliens and Armistice Day. Fantastic. Starting out great. Well, the worst part of not starting out so great, she's born to a teen mom who's already on her second husband. Wow. Yeah. Fast mover. Well, chaos. Oh, her mom's a piece of work. So chaos isn't even, you think Naomi Judd. Oh. Oh. We got some Imago in this for sure, which I think definitely leads to some addiction issues okay. like it's, it's it is a childhood packed full of trauma sure so chaos isn't the word chaos is too kind wow okay according to Demi, both of her parents were alcoholics her mother tried to commit suicide multiple times this is again we're gonna use a lot of quotes from her i remember using my fingers the small fingers of a child to dig the pills my mother had tried to swallow out of her mouth while my father held it open and told me what to do. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Something very deep inside me shifted then, and it never shifted yeah, back. Yeah, I would think. My childhood was over. Any sense that I could count on either of my parents evaporated. In that moment, with my fingers in the mouth of my suicidal mother, who was flailing like a wild animal, and the sound of my father screaming directions at me, I moved from being something who they at least tried to take care of to someone they expected to assist them in cleaning up their messes. Wow. Um, okay, so, hey, let's, yeah, Richard Pryor, like, building a fine foundation fine for foundation. a happy and stable life. Okay. Demi's parents made a lot of messes. Yeah. So her dad is a newspaper ad salesman, at least. On paper. On paper. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a con artist oh. by nature. She says, both my parents had what you might call a relaxed relationship with the truth. Yikes. But I think dad actually got joy of feeling he could get it over on someone. So That's, let's, probably, that's probably what motivates a lot of con artist type. Let me tell you how our dad did this. Okay. He's got some, some classic, classic moves. He would uh, stiff stores. He would write deceased on his name next to his bills. We'll have... <sighs> I know. He'd have his kids sign for deliveries and then refuse to pay that a child's signature wasn't legally binding. Oh, geez. Right. The family moves a lot. 
probably or, evading yeah, predators. I would think. And cops. Or, hold on, because dad, in addition to being quite an ingenious little con artist, is also a cheater. So, oh, like on, on her mom? Oh, yeah. So one time they moved because mom <sighs> found the wrong color pubic hair in dad's jockey shorts. Oh. To me, oh, yeah. That's weird and also, okay, just weird. Okay, so Demi's mom also walked in on dad having sex with his brother's wife. Wow. Yeah. Uh, this so is... dad's a cheater and a con artist and mom is suicidal. So there's a really yeah. Yeah, some, yeah. some trauma. Demi estimates she attended at least two schools every year until she finally drops out. Wow. So when Demi is five... She's diagnosed with a disease called kidney nephrosis. Yeah. Okay. That's super young, though. I mean, that's like your kidneys are dying. Right. right? Potentially life-threatening kidney condition. Later in life, she gets that these flare-ups and hospitalizations correlate with every time dad has cheated. Oh, wow. Okay. So so the (sighs) stress... That's so crazy. So, like, a five-year-old is having enough stress in her life that it is literally causing damage to her kidneys? Correct. Okay. So, her dad's a piece of work. Her mom, after mom's first suicide attempt, mom seeks therapy. Great idea. Only to end up falling in love with her therapist. Hmm. So, yeah. Oh, boy. So, Demi's parents do this break up, get back together, break up, get back together. They do finally split for good. The way they finally split for good, Demi's dad would only agree to a divorce if he got custody of the little brother, Morgan. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask if she had siblings. So, okay. She, so Yeah. Demi writes, I was stunned. I don't know what was worse, like losing my brother, losing my dad, or finding out my father couldn't bear to be parted from Morgan, but was fine abandoning me. Jeez. Wait on it. Here's your Judd's tie-in. <clears throat> After dad leaves, mm-hmm. Demi finds out that he's not her biological father. What? Bio, what? bio dad was mom's husband number one. Oh, my God. And her mom had legit just pulled a Naomi Judd, and everybody in the family knew. Except, Except for Demi. Wow. Okay. Once, once again, our little comedy podcast is... <laughs> so once that cat's out of the bag, yeah. the man Demi had known as her dad sure. could barely look at her. Their relationship yeah. never really recovered. Oh, and I'm sure that her ability to trust other humans was also thriving by well, this point. Funny, so. she speaks to that. Oh, Discovering I'd been lied to my entire life about something so profound wasn't great for my relationship with my mother either. Whatever fragile trust we had shared was shattered. Growing up, Demi found herself wondering if her parents, like, <laughs> do you care at all? Were goblins? I mean... Upon retrospect, you know, 40 years later, she no longer thinks in those terms. She says they love me, but they loved me like the way they loved each other, the only way they knew how, inconsistently and conditionally, hmm. which I thought was a very fair way of... It's a lot of therapy to get you to that, you to that perspective. You ain't kidding. <laughs> so by the time dad splits, Demi and her mom are living in Southern California. One of their neighbors is a young actress at the time named Nastasha Kinski. She was a super big deal. Yeah, this name is very familiar Mm -hmm. to me. 
Natasha is going to grow up to be Quincy Jones's baby mama. Okay. But at the time when she's living next to Demi and her mom. Right. She was like a famous actress. Mm-hmm. At the time, though, she's yeah. a German national who'd been brought over to the States by Roman Polanski mm-hmm. to study at Lee Strasberg's acting studio. So there's some spider webs uh-huh, for you. Uh-huh. Um, but Roman Polanski, anyway, I'm going to let you continue. So Demi used to read scripts out loud. Seeing red flags. To Natasha, who could speak English better than she could read it. In the process, Demi develops this like world-class girl crush (laughs) on Kinski. I decided to follow her example. I wanted to do what she did. If it meant acting, so be it. Oh, interesting. Hold on. So one night, this is Demi. One night, she, Natasha, took me along to dinner with Polanski He tracked me down to invite me to dinner a second time months later, and I went with my mom. He was a perfect gentleman on both of those evenings, but he had been convicted of having sex with a 13-year-old girl. Yikes. Yeah, okay. So, Red Flag City. No, relationships with underage girls apparently are the norm. I saw this dynamic around me all the time. But Demi herself starts partying when she's in middle school. So let's smoke and drink and club. Here's the worst part. She is clubbing with and without her mom. I was going to say, this sounds like the kind of family where mom is probably going out with her. Mom uses Demi kind of as bait for men. So this spot's a little... This is a really upsetting This is an upsetting story. This is... like been reading a lot of Brene Brown and, mm-hmm. like, shame spirals. So right. this part's really icky. When she was 15, she was raped by a middle-aged family friend. She and her mom had met this guy. He had a restaurant, a California casual place called Mirabelle. Dude gets into the habit of picking Demi up from school so she wouldn't have to take the bus and he'd take her to lunch. And nothing really happens, but... She says, there's something about him that made me slightly uneasy. Yeah, a little creep vibe. An uns- I trust your vibes, right? She says, an unsettling sense that I had he wouldn't always be so helpful and pleasant. Yeah. A vague anxiety there might not be something quite right. So Demi begins to make excuses to avoid him. One day, she comes home to find him in the apartment she shares with her mom. Just him? Just him. Hmm. And... The most harrowing part of this, she says, like, the, she's blotted it out. She wonders if her mom had given him a key, which mom does give him a key. There may have been a barter for a certain amount of money. Mm. Like, mom is, oh, mom is trash. Demi says, for decades, I didn't think of it as rape. I thought of it as something I caused, something I felt obligated to do because this man expected it from me. I had let him expect it from me. I was an easy mark for a predator. Mm. Like a week later, mom shows up, says they're moving. Dude shows up on moving day to help. Oh, so not like we're we're going to move to get away from this trash that I mistakenly allowed nope. access. Okay. Demi's mom hops out of the car and Demi's rapist says, how does it feel to be whored by your mother for $500? Oh, my God. Like... Demi says she'll never know if that was actually the yeah. thing. Uh, what is certain is she gave this man the key to an apartment that she shared with her 15-year-old daughter. 
So cool. I can't like this is just yeah. This is trauma central. Horrible. I mean, she mom provided access to put her child in harm's way. Yeah, which is okay. So with all of this, yeah, no, all of this. Can you understand why Demi wants to get the fuck out of the house? I can. Okay. So when she's 16, she moves in with a dude named Tom Dunstan. He is 28. He's a steel guitar player. She meets an acting class. At this time, she's attending a like a half high school, half work program just to get out, right? And this dude, Tom, his mom is an executive assistant for one of Aaron Spelling's top producers. Oh, that's cool. So gets Demi a job as a receptionist at 20th Century Fox. Okay. So Demi's young, Mm -hmm. but I can imagine fairly... Motivated? Hardened and motivated to change her circumstance. And she's got a job. She's going to school. And she gets, for the first time in her whole life, a stable, comfortable routine. Hmm. At the age of 16, 17? Predictable. Like, this is safe. No one's hurting me. I'm not saving my mother from, like, this is this mm. is a good thing. Yeah. Huh. So, so of course, she's going to self-destruct that. <laughs> Tom takes Demi to the Troubadour one night to see mm. a band called The Cats with K. And she takes one look at lead singer Freddie Moore. Turns out she's a cat lady. <laughs> <laughs> she's a cat lady. Between sets, she had maneuvered Freddie into the bathroom. Within a month, she'd left Tom and moved in with Yikes. Okay. So, boom goes the dynamite. So, leaving the boyfriend Tom meant losing her job. Oh, God. So, she quits school and makes money posing nude for Japanese magazines. She lands on the cover of We magazine, but she had to keep her clothes on since she was still underage. Okay. This kid's not yet 17. At the age of 36, she's almost 18 her dad commits suicide good lord the baby brother morgan oh. found him slumped over the steering wheel of his car with the engine running oh my god so Demi writes my dad dies in october i turned 18 in november i got married to freddie the following february oh my god it was obviously a confusing and fraught time Demi, <laughs> and our wedding reflected the scattershot nature of the decision yeah and she knows she doesn't like this is not what i want to do as i'm doing it hold on So she says, the night before we got married, instead of working on my vows, I was calling a guy I'd met on a movie set. I snuck out of my own bachelorette party and went to his apartment. Why did I do that? Why didn't I go and see the man I was committing to spend the rest of my life with to express my doubts? Because I couldn't face the fact that I was getting married to distract myself from grieving the death of my father. Yeah. Because I felt there was no room to question what I had already put in motion. I couldn't get out of the marriage, but I could sabotage it. Like, she does a great job self-sabotaging for many, many, many years. Yeah. So a few months after Demi gets married, she lands a role on General Hospital. Okay, good. Which is actually how I got introduced to her back in my very young age. She was nothing new to me because she was on GH. Right. And it was... The Luke and Laura days. Right. I don't know if you ever watched GH. Yeah, my mom was into it. Okay, Um, so Luke is played by Tony Geary. And Tony Geary likes playing bartender in his dressing room, right? As Sure. Yeah. I mean, okay. I'm just saying, like, workplaces in the entertainment industry are not like workplaces most places. No. 
Uh, Demi has not been a regular drinker up to this point. Well, she's been 11 up to this point. But here's Tony Geary, and he's the star of the show, and he's pouring you a cocktail, so you don't turn that shit down. The problem was, she writes, when I did drink, I couldn't stop. There was no little voice in my head saying, that's enough to me. There were no breaks. Right. It sounds like she probably has a strong genetic predisposition to substance. For sure. Issues. So one night she gets blackout drunk. She gets thrown out of a club. Demi quits drinking cold turkey. Hmm. I felt too out of control, too much like my parents. Yeah. I knew that alcohol was moving me in their direction back to where I came from instead of forward into the future. Right. She gets it. I mean, it's just a struggle. It's a struggle with addiction. Yeah. Because you may get it and uh, we're going to we're gonna relapse. No, there, my, yeah, there, there's, yeah. Lots I, of times. My, my half of the story has some <laughs> of that too. So in 1982, 20-year-old Demi was cast in her first big studio film called Blame It on Rio. General Hospital grants her a leave of absence. She heads down to South America. You know what they have a lot of in South America? Cocaine. Oh, our trashy divorce is bingo square. She's filming in Brazil uh, and she starts doing copious amounts well, of coke. Like you do. Which everybody in Rio was doing it. They yeah. were doing coke and drinking except sure. for her, she says ironically. I didn't drink because I knew I can't handle oh, that. Oh my God. It's not safe for me. To me. She gives, no, she gives <laughs> not a thought to the effects of cocaine. Booze is terrible. That is just awful for my liver. But hand some of that powder over here. She nearly burns a hole through her nostrils when she's in Brazil. Yep, yep, yep. That is a that is a club. It's a special club of people. Really effective self sabotager. Uh Demi gets back from Rio. She admits to her husband Freddie. She had a one night stand with a friend on location. Asks for a divorce. Moves out. Wow. How long were they married? Like three, three and a half years. Okay. That's actually kind of longer than I would have uh, expected. Well, she's... <laughs> Given the strong foundation that, <laughs> that Demi Moore was raised with. <laughs> right. So General Hospital grants her a second leave of absence to shoot another movie, but that project falls through, but not before she'd been written off the soap. Oh. So even though she's between jobs, she still has a... Uh, Cocaine money. Oh, good. And decides to start drinking again, oh, too. Well, now, just, here's a, the, just a lot of good decisions here. Here's the bad thing. Is her drug connection is also her business manager. Oh. So she's burning through most of her, her money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> By the time she gets a lead in another romantic comedy, this time playing opposite against John Cryer. This, she does write about this in, a, in her book, and this became Twitter fodder not too long ago, where she was like, I took his virginity. Oh, right, right. And John Cryer later takes to Twitter to say, she didn't take my virginity. I was just really bad at sex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I remember that um, popping up. You know, I, I was over the moon for her during a very troubled time in her life. I have nothing but affection for her and not a regret in the world. So okay, well that's nice. That up. That's nice because that is not how Ashton Kutcher appears to uh, <laughs> recall things. With yeah, her. no. So by the time 1985 rolls around and Saint Elmo's Fire, Demi has a legitimate, serious cocaine problem. Okay, she isn't just using it for fun anymore. It is now a dependency. So Joel Schumacher, the director, gives her an ultimatum. 
And it was like, uh, you need to go to rehab or you're going to get dropped from this film. There's a place in Redondo Beach. I'm sure. Unless you're dead or dying, you will be there tomorrow. So Demi goes to rehab and leans in. Good. She says, once I made the decision to get clean and sober, I never wanted to experience that moment of waking up and trying to remember what I had done the night before again. I didn't want any more embarrassment. I wanted to be present, not dulled by alcohol or sped up by cocaine. I dedicated myself fully to the process. St. Elmo's, she says, is the movie that changed her life. If I hadn't gone to rehab to make that film, she doesn't know if she'd still be alive. Well, and props to the director because he was working with a really young cast and to see a problem and try to solve it instead of just firing her and, you know, hiring some other. It's Hollywood. You can find, you know, 21-year-old actresses or whatever, 25-year-old. For sure. So good for him. Let's talk about some of her more salacious love affairs before we get to uh, Bruce. Okay. Before she actually leans in and gets clean, Demi hooks up with Rob Lowe. But in her drug-addled state, the experience for her does not make much of an impression. Uh, Memory, she says, especially memory clouded by drugs is a funny thing. In his own memoir, Mm -hmm. Rob Lowe suggests we had some kind of hot and heavy romance. I can vaguely recall... One ill-advised late night together, but I'm grateful to him for the complimentary descriptions of our youth. (laughs) Now, here's what's amazing. For his part, Rob Lowe goes on The View many Mm. years later and says to them that Demi inspired him to get sober. Mm. He says she was the first person I ever knew who got sober. She was a huge inspiration to me. Wow. It was the 80s. We were all doing our thing. I just remember thinking, if that girl can get sober, anybody can. (laughs) Everybody has that person in their life where they go, that's a great example. So it was very helpful. Just another little spider web here for you. Rob Lowe has been clean and sober now for 29 years. Good for him. So good job to me. No, and he's got this fascinating Instagram relationship with his son. Is that Are are they always? So good. (laughs) His son is just constantly like zinging him. It's very good fun to see Sorry, it is fun to ahead. see it's no it's a fun insta page okay so it's on the set of saint almost fire that newly sober to me starts dating emilio estevez oh. right so emilio as we know is a son of martin sheen yes brother of charlie sheen yes charter member breakfast club <gasps> six months later it's going so well they're engaged but he's not a trashy divorce She says, Emilio and I had, in fact, just mailed out the invitations for our wedding when a friend told me she'd seen him out with someone else in L.A. Oh, I didn't. I saw that they had not worked out. I didn't realize why. He denied it, of course. But I was having a hard time trusting him. I just assumed she had screwed it up. But there you go. Nope. During a two-week breakup a few months before, he'd slept with an ex-girlfriend, lied about it. And then been forced to tell me the truth when he found out she was pregnant. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. Not a great time to be doing this engagement thing. She insists that he go with her to her therapist. And when he revealed his priorities in that session, you'll be shocked to hear, I was pretty low on the list. So the wedding was postponed indefinitely. Still on hold. (laughs) Still on hold. But they stay friends. Okay, well, And it's during this time. That Emilio takes Demi to a movie premiere, which turned out to be highly consequential because she meets an actor, very hot at the time, 
in a little series called Moonlighting. His name is Bruce Bruce Willis. Willis. Who, fascinatingly, he seems to routinely appear on, like, the list of worst-dressed celebrities. It's such a weird, because she's, you know, she's gorgeous and really well put together, and he can barely dress himself. It's just always struck me as funny that they were a thing. He's a Pisces. He's got better (laughs) things to do than dress himself. Sure. Now, Bruce is immediately smitten. Demi is like, eh. Emilio says, he's all over you. Oh, wow. He's like a cheap suit in the rain. Yeah, he cheap suit's good. (laughs) (laughs) But Demi is like, ah, she thinks he'd been dismissive. Like, her impression is he's Hmm. kind of a jerk. But Bruce gives Demi the full court press at the after party. He was so attentive as the evening progressed. I was stunned to find out later he'd actually been on a date that night with another woman. Wow. So like where she thought he was dismissive. Oh my God. He's like, oh God, I really like this girl. Right. But how do I ditch the date that I have? Uh-huh. Before she leaves the party, Bruce asks her for her number, writes it down on his arm. Writes it down on his arm. So his date is... I don't know what happened to his date. <laughs> Un- undisclosed. Called an Uber. So is she... <laughs> As Demi is driving home to Malibu on the Pacific Coast Highway, she swears she could hear her name in the wind. She's not hearing voices in her head. She's actually hearing her name in the wind because Bruce's limo has caught up with her and he's standing on the sunroof shouting out her name. Okay. It was like the universe telling me. You think? Pay attention to this one. So where Demi is associated with the Brat Pack, Emilio, Charlie yeah. Sheen, Molly, Rob like that Lowe, whole, yeah. because of St. Almost Fire, Bruce Willis is running with John Goodman and Woody Harrelson, right. who call themselves the new Rat Pack. Oh. It's a okay. little spiderweb there. Okay. Demi describes Bruce as gallant, dynamic, a true gentleman. When a tabloid publishes unflattering pictures of her, Bruce insisted he thought everything about me was beautiful. He wrapped my fear and anxiety in love. Well, that's unexpected, actually. No, really? So they have showbiz in common, but Demi and Bruce bond over their difficult childhoods. Bruce, eldest of four children, grows up with a hardworking immigrant mother who was never appreciated by her husband. Demi writes, when Bruce and I got together, our traumas met. Bruce had a difficult childhood. He was a stutterer, which had the positive side effect of him getting into acting So Bruce and I had both grown up performing, role-playing for survival. That's tough. Like, you have two people who've done that their whole lives, Uh and now you attempt to have an authentic... authentic. Mm -hmm. Good luck. (laughs) So they meet. Demi is between film assignments. Bruce is on hiatus for moonlighting. So they're able to spend almost all their time together until he starts shooting Die Hard. During a break from filming, oh, do you need to talk about Die Hard? The assault on Nakatomi Plaza. (laughs) The best Christmas movie there is of all time. It's my family Christmas movie. (laughs) So during a break from filming, Bruce takes Demi to Vegas to see a fight one night. The match is brutal. One of the boxer's trainers had to call the fight. Bruce proposes on their way to the gambling tables. So. Okay. Maybe a metaphor in there. Oh, Flag on the play. <laughs> November 21st, 1987, at the Golden Nugget, Bruce and Demi get married. 
They've known each other for months. Wow. She gets pregnant on her wedding night. Wow. Now, here's a little fun fact. Bruce and Demi both have worked for Tri-State Films. So the company hosted a second wedding for the couple that uh, they borrow the staircase from Designing Women. So the staircase that Julia Sugarbaker got her head stuck in at the governor's mansion is what Demi Moore like makes her grand entrance into little Richard officiates the wedding. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. It's amazing. Okay. Dude, designing women and Demi Moore. You never knew they had a connection. Mm-mm. Okay. So Demi gives birth to her first child, Rumor. She's offered a movie with Robert De Niro and Sean Penn called We're No Angels. Bruce is mad. Like, so that's what he would like to be doing? Well, they've only been sucked up each other. For a year or something, yeah. Right. And it's never going to work if you're off shooting a film. So she writes, what he meant was that our life wouldn't work if I was engrossed in something else besides our family. I was taken aback. It's not like it was a secret what we both did for a living before we started a family. Right. Bruce knew what my job entailed, and I assumed that he expected me to keep doing it. That is the kind of thing you'd... Right? Probably talk about if you dated for more than four months. But in the very short time we'd known each other, before we got married, I'd only been doing press and other ancillary aspects of my job, not actually working full-time on a movie. My work hadn't involved any demands that took time away from prioritizing him. Hmm. She makes that movie, but to me goes right to how can I fix this? Right, right. She's frantically trying to figure out what it would take to accommodate Bruce's work schedule. Yeah, this is an issue she'll have Mm -hmm. for, yeah, until today. Okay, so We're No Angels didn't really do that well. But the next movie is a bonafide blockbuster. Any guesses? You're in danger, girl. Ghost. Ghost? Mm -hmm. Okay. Ghost cost about $22 million to make it grossed over $200 million. Wow, yeah. Demi Moore should be on top of the world. I would think, yeah. Top hit movie. Hubby is not helping that top of the world thing. After Rumor's second birthday, Bruce just announced, I don't know if I want to be married oh, Jesus. anymore. Demi writes, I felt like I'd been sucker punched. Well, you are married and yeah. you have a kid, so and, what do you want to do? Yeah, and they end up having two more kids, so. Mm-hmm. Bruce and I had met, married, had a baby, and just done a lot very quickly. It was as if he woke up a few years later and thought, whoa, is this what I really want? Or do I really want to be free? Demi says, I think that as a true Pisces, haha, he was struggling to resolve a conflict within himself. He wanted family and grounding, but he also craved excitement and novelty. Basically, he wanted to do whatever the fuck he wanted. Not so unusual in men that age. He was 36 at the time. Throw in celebrity and money, you do the math. Yeah, yeah. Bruce leaves to go to London to do Hudson Hawk. Demi suspects he's fooling around. He gets back to the States. God bless herself. She gets pregnant the first time they have sex upon his return. Yikes. This actually stops the divorce talk, though. Mm -hmm. There was no more talk of Bruce not wanting to be married. He was over the moon. Suddenly, it was like we never had that conversation about his ambivalence. So during her marriage to Bruce Willis, Demi maintains her sobriety. Free off alcohol, free off drugs, 
but something addiction gets replaced. She struggles with an exercise addiction and an eating disorder. So she's up for the lead in the film about last night, and she goes to see the director, Ed Zwick. And she says her worst nightmare came true. He sits down and says, you're really who I'd like to do this film, but you'd have to promise me that you'd lose some weight. Yikes. I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. I felt a combination of sick, pit of my stomach, mortification, and raw panic. So I began the process of trying to dominate and control my body and of equating my worth to my weight, my size, and my exterior. I was sober, sure, but all my anxieties just shifted over to food. I used food as a kind of punishment for everything I believed was wrong and dirty about myself. I imbued it with every bad feeling, all my shame, and then gobbled it up. With drugs or alcohol or cigarettes, it's a basic yes or no. Either you use them or you don't. Right. But with food, you can't do that. Yeah, you there's... have to eat. Yeah. I remember somebody saying it's like having a lion that you have to take out for a walk three mm. times a day. So while she's expecting her second child, Scout, Demi shoots the cover of Vanity Fair in 1991. She's seven months pregnant. I have this, still this magazine. She's beautiful. Demi writes to this day, I'm probably more closely identified with that photograph mm-hmm. than with any mo- movie I've ever done. It's yeah, I, I remember that photograph as well. This causes a little bit of a controversy. Feminists regard the portrait as an emblem of female empowerment. I mean, this is 91. It's so far how far we've come and yeah. how much we've regressed. Critics are like, this is porn. To me, the pose was in part an attempt to promote body positivity and to help women love themselves in their natural shapes. That's a remarkable and gratifying thing to have accomplished, particularly for someone like me who spent years doing battle with her body. But it continues, and she, her addiction plays to food and weight through a few good men, through indecent proposal, through striptease, through the birth of her third child, Tallulah, who, here's another fun little spider web for you, Meg Ryan suggested that name during an all-girls trip to Fisher Island. Huh. I know. Thanks. Hmm. It's my dog, Ruby Tallulah, but not uh, for that reason, no, but Tallulah Bankhead. Okay. After completing G.I. Jane, Demi says she has an epiphany. I couldn't go on fighting my body and my weight. I had to make peace. So she turns her home gym into an office and finally stops starving herself. Cool. She reaches a truce with her body. I would need that peace to get through what came next. And what mm. came next is even worse. She, mer- she nurses her mother through terminal cancer. Oh, so She mo- and mom have wow. been estranged for eight years. Oh, my God. No... Contact. Demi stopped talking to her mom once mom sold pictures to a tabloid. Oh, my God. Her mom has never met her scout or Tallulah, like her youngest kids. According to Demi, Bruce stepped up and was truly supportive, but their marriage ultimately deteriorated along with mom's health. Bruce and Demi separate while Demi's caring for her mom, and they officially split in 1998. I thought this was great. For as trashy as their divorce may or may not have, like, personally, I think they're both super, super trashy, but it doesn't sound like the divorce was. She says, it's a funny thing to say, but I'm very proud of our divorce. Hmm. I think Bruce was fearful at the beginning that I was going to make our split difficult. Can't imagine why. And that I would express my anger and whatever baggage that I had had from our marriage 
by obstructing his access to the kids. That I'd turn all those ploys divorcing couples use as weapons. But I didn't, and neither did he. I had no desire to replicate the destructive way my parents had used my brother and me as pawns, and I knew from the inside how that felt to be entrapped within as a child. It wasn't easy at first, but we managed to move the heart of our relationship and the heart of what created our family into something new that gave the girls a loving, supportive environment with both parents. I experienced the most conventional family dynamic I'd ever known in those years after the divorce. I was the stay-at-home mom. Bruce was the one working the breadwinner. That Bruce was no longer my husband was irrelevant because he was the active father of my children. We felt more connected than we did before the divorce. Wow. Good for them. I had no idea. I think the tabloids expected it would be very trashy, too, just because they were such flamboyant figures at the time. Both individually kind of Mm -hmm. trashy, but as divorces go, very low on the trash can scale. And even... When Demi released this book, she was about to go on Fallon, I think. And she gets a call backstage and it's Bruce Willis. And he's just calling to say, I'm so proud of you. Do great. And she talks about how that felt that like they're still out there supporting each other and supporting their kids. He and his wife came to the book launch. Trashy divorces scale of trash cans on this. So low. Yeah. Like you got a divorce. I'm going to go ahead and call it one on a personal scale between all of your addictions, family trauma, money, therapy, the expanse of Hollywood. I don't even know how to rate the two of them. But as trashy divorces go, she and Bruce Willis did not have an extremely trashy divorce. Apparently get along super well. And Bruce has been a... Super big help and support, again, for their kids as she's about to go through what she's going to go through on the back end around two with Ashton Kutcher when we come back from a break. Yeah, we'll take a break and we'll be back with that trash candy. Hey, trash pandas. When you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and... I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns, Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So when we left Demi, she is in her late 30s, three kids, divorced, grieving the loss of an estranged mother who you helped care for, who never cared for you as a child. I mean, she really could have used better help. <laughs> what happens next in this tale of tragedy? So, I mean, as noted, she and Bruce had this weirdly functional, as opposed to dysfunctional, post-marital state where they Which were a plus like a plus super good yeah they were really effective co-parents and she basically took a few years off and really just mommed her kids and you know perfect yeah what happens then so what year again did they divorce 1998 okay they were separated by 1998 okay so 2003 she returns to to hollywood i mean i'm sure she actually i think they mostly raised their kids in idaho Really? Yeah, I don't think that. I think when they weren't actually working, they were in Idaho somewhere else, raising their kids far okay. from the insanity of La La Land. Anyway, Charlie's Angels full throttle. Okay, this is <laughs> Demi Moore's return film. It was. It was. It was. And we were so excited to see her. I, I don't think I recall it to be honest, but oh, it was so good with Drew Barrymore, and. Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu, and they were badasses. And I think Demi produced it too. Like she came roaring back with I Charlie's mean, Angels. I find it impossible that I haven't seen it. It just, I don't recall it. Oh, it's a good movie. <laughs> okay. So while she was doing press in support of the movie, a mutual friend introduced her to one Ashton Kutcher, aged 25, <sighs> who was then several years into his run. On a little program called That 70s Show. Oh, Kelsa. Mm -hmm. Demi was 41 at the time. Okay. And she writes, but I'm telling you, we couldn't feel it. We were totally in sync from our very first conversation. Keep in mind, when I was 25, I became a mom. I skipped straight from being a young adult into motherhood and marriage. When I met Ashton, it almost felt like a do-over. Like I could just go back in time and experience what it was like to be young with him, much more so than I'd ever been able to experience in my 20s. Oh, wow. That's I mean, you get a second chance on youth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, fuck the young ones. That's a lot of fun. Don't marry him. Hot yeah, take. I don't know take. how the story is going to go. Tell me. Hot take. Well, all right. Let's talk a little about Ashton. His family life had been very different from Demi's, but there are some through lines that probably helped to kind of bond them. He's an Aquarius. 
just in case you want to know. Okay. He was raised in a fairly conservative Catholic family in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, There's a little moving around later, but mostly Cedar Rapids. He has an older sister. He has a fraternal twin brother, and his twin brother had was born with a defective heart. And oh. so as a very young child, his brother had a heart transplant. So this was a big stressor for uh, young Ashton, who I guess just lived in fear always of bad news. Seems to maybe have been a big stressor for his parents, too, because they divorced when Ashton was 16. And then Ashton himself was later arrested for breaking into his high school in an attempt to steal money. What? He was convicted of burglary, and he got three years of probation and 180 hours of community service. Oh. So, you know, consequences are good, and they had the desired effect of ending his budding criminal career. <laughs> Perfect. But he was also ostracized in at school and in the neighborhood. Like, because he's a criminal. Right. It yeah. had... It had a big effect on him. So anyway, he gets himself into the University of Iowa. A model scout spots him at a bar one night, tells him to, you know, enroll in this modeling competition, which he, of course, wins. And uh, that sends him to New York for the, I don't know, International Modeling Association of America. I don't know. But it's a a big modeling convention in New York City. So Calvin Klein signs him. He ends up in L.A. So he's originally discovered just as a pretty boy. Yeah, he's just a pretty boy at just a bar. A pretty boy at a bar. Iowa City or whatever. Pony boy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's really- Arm candy. He has surprisingly- He's taken surprising avenues in his life that you wouldn't have expected okay, based tell me on more. this. Okay. Tell, tell me more about pretty boy. All right. So he's pretty instantly cast in that 70s show. Like, he arrives in LA in 1998 and is cast in that 70s show. That's- and that, yeah. The way to do it. Yeah. So, Let's get booked on a show that turns out to be the hit of the world. Yeah. And then by the time he meets Demi, he's a bona fide movie star because Dude, Where's My Car had already Oh, dude. I out. forgot he was totally in Dude, Where's My Car. Uh, again, not sure Flashback I ever lane. saw it, but uh, I do recall several years of my life where that was what everyone said about everything. Oh, dude, I'd... where's my car? Like. What's funny is it comes back around in middle age in such a... I'd pull a dude, where's my car every time I go to the grocery sure. store. <laughs> Still waiting for the for the was up frogs for Budweiser. Okay, whatever. All right. So Demi Moore is 41 and suddenly invigorated with new love. Can't wait to bring Ashton into Pony every part Pony boys will do it. Pony boys do it all the time. All the time. Okay. So Demi introduces Ashton to her three daughters. Oh, who... I bet they're freaking out. Oh, full-on fangirl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all whispering, like, is that Ashton Kutcher? You know, Bruce assumed that she had just brought him over as a treat for the girls. Nope. That Mm. is not what happened. Yeah, apparently they'd had Aaron Carter come to Disney World for Scout's birthday one time. (laughs) So he just thought. It's sure. That's why I, like, Kelso. The girls want to see Kelso for her birthday. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nope. (laughs) So when, um, again, when... Longtime sober Demi Moore meets Ashton Kutcher. He is a 25-year-old, like, sensation in Hollywood, and he is living in a party house. It was, you know, the George Bush years. So in her memoir, Demi writes that uh, somehow George Bush's twin daughters, Barbara and Jenna, I think yeah. their names, ended up at Ashton's house, like, doing bong hits Oh. At one of the parties, and from that point forward, he was certain that the Secret Service was monitoring his phone. I'm sure. 
Uh, also, once upon a time, Ashton was engaged to January Jones. Really? Bobby Flay may or may not be the right, baby daddy. Right, little side piece mm-hmm, of... Mm-hmm. Huh. This is full of spider webs today. Yeah, I guess they moved to L.A. together... And January got a role in a Bruce Willis movie called Bandits. Ashton was convinced that January cheated on him with Bruce Willis. No. And so Demi Moore notes in her book that years later, she happened to sit next to January at an event and mentioned this to her. (laughs) January Jones is like, are you kidding? I didn't want to fuck that old man. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry, Bruce. Okay, so uh, after they'd been dating for about a year and a half, Ashton hosted Saturday Night Live, and he and Demi spoofed their age difference during the opening dialogue. Uh, Fun fact, Demi Moore, unbeknownst to the world, was pregnant on that appearance. This does not go as one would hope. So about six weeks after they learn that she's pregnant, they get engaged and about six months in, she miscarries. Oh, no. And this was just devastating to her. Uh, I think they both wanted to have kids. But, like, he was so young. He just couldn't relate to the emotional upheaval that this caused. She says, I was decimated. I shifted into survival mode. I tried to allow myself to mourn, but it was so confusing. Ashton did his best to connect with me in my grief. He tried to be there for me. But he couldn't really understand what I was feeling. Yeah. Because, again, he's 27 or something at this point. Like, complicating Demi's grief process was her fear that somehow she was to blame. Because mm. also in her relationship with Ashton, oh, she no. had started drinking again. Oh, no. So, yeah, like, Ashton would just pop off like, I don't know if alcoholism is a real thing. I think it's all about moderate. He was that guy. He was the well-actually guy that you would expect him to be like literally the dude arrives in hollywood and six months later he is like a superstar it's so entitlement man (laughs) um you know and now he's got this older girlfriend fiance soon to be wife sexy cougar taking hollywood Mm. by storm yeah she says that she wanted to be that girl the one who could have a glass of wine at dinner or do a tequila shot at the party and in her mind that is what ashton wanted for her as well alcoholics don't do that though yeah so she tried to become a fun normal girl rather than this is her I didn't think, this is a kid in his 20s who doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh-huh. I didn't think, I have nearly two decades sobriety under my belt, and that's a huge accomplishment. Instead, I cast about for justifications for his argument. Oh, no. Like, it's just, it's too bad. After So she's off the wagon. She's off the wagon. Yeah, after the miscarriage, they get married uh, September 25, 2005. Very short guest list. For them, and they just thought they were attending a housewarming party at the new house that Demi and Ashton have. And then they surprised them with the wedding. No. Mm-hmm. So they have frozen embryos because they had previously decided they wanted to have children. So they get married and then do several rounds of IVF, which are unsuccessful. And this process apparently kind of led to some distance between her and her daughters, with whom she had previously been very very close like she didn't want to 
give them like the play by play, especially I guess because the IVF kept failing. That's hard. Right. Like it's, trying to conceive if that is your right goal and your dream to conceive, it's so hard for so many couples. Right. And you don't want to set the kids up as like, hey, you're you're getting a new baby yep. brother or sister and then it keeps fit like so anyway, the, so the kids, yeah, uh, the kids sort of, they, I think they felt like she was keeping secrets from them. They, like, I, they felt cut out of something that maybe they didn't understand right. what they were cut out of. And this is where she says that in Idaho, where, where she and Bruce had mostly raised the kids, they'd felt like we were all in it together. But now it seemed like Ashton and I were shutting them out. And that in her pain, she may have lost sight of how much mothering her daughter still needed. Also around this time, Ashton starts kind of distancing himself a bit from Demi. She says that Bruce always felt that he wasn't needed, that I gave him too much space, and that she was trying not to repeat that mistake with Ashton, Mm. which, anyway. It's a totally different person. You can't play by the same rules. Right, You gotta play by your rules. You can't play by the rules of another relationship. Well, and you can't play by the rules of a... 28-year-old egomaniac either, so no, I'm just fair guessing. Point. I'm just guessing. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah, like Ashton tells her, like on the next movie that he's on, he's like, yeah, my co-star doesn't want you on the set. But it was, he didn't want her oh, on the set. I need some space. Because he needed space, yeah. Oh. Uh, and he just hadn't communicated that, right? Like he just wasn't being honest. And, you know, she says, but I had made him the focus of all my attention and was putting too much pressure on him. I was losing myself, and that's on me. And that does seem like something that Demi Moore uh, has done. She's a fantastic self-sabotager. Mm-hmm. So during this period, Demi was in what she describes as a gradual downward spiral. She mm. drank until she passed out during her 45th birthday celebration in Mexico. This is totally gross. Ashton had encouraged me to go in this direction, she writes. When I went too far, though, he let me know how he felt by showing a picture he'd taken of me resting my head on the toilet the night before. No. It seemed like a good-natured joke at the time, but it was really just shaming. Not helpful. No. Not helpful, Ashton. No, not helpful. Really gross. She had some dental surgery that included getting hooked on Vicodin. Oh, she decided Just to like a pill. do a. <laughs> she decided to do a DIY detox while Ashton was on location, and the daughters were with Bruce. When he came home, she says, "I felt like I'd lived through a war." He did not offer me any reinforcements or compassion. I felt like he was angry with me for having this problem in the first place. Mm. You made your bed, now you have to lie in it. Cool wow. dude, really cool dude. Ashton was less and less present, she writes. He was focused on other things. His work, his growing involvement in the tech world, his fantasy football league. Well, you got to have your priorities. I was going to say, like, that that time when priorities were (laughs) were discussed. Um, She did ultimately, it turns out, marry 25-year-old Emilio Estevez. Yeah, right. (laughs) Okay, so she was desperate to save the marriage. But again, like to accomplish this, she went into contortions to try to fit the mold of the woman he wanted his wife to be. She put him first. He didn't ask her to do that, but, you know, it's what she did, what she learned from her mother. So, you know, at some point he's like, hey, what if what if we started having threesomes? And she was like, 
yeah, I'm super fun. Let's do that. So mm. anyway, yeah. She was not really happy about it. She says they were good people, but it was still a mistake. And this apparently... I'm not sure if Ashton had been cheating prior to this, but apparently once that, that happened, open. yeah, then he feels quite liberated to I'm free. do what he wants. So when Demi's in New York filming a movie in 2010, news breaks that Ashton had slept with a 21-year-old he'd met in a bowling alley. Oh, no. Dude. Sorry, I didn't finish that sentence. During a family outing with Demi and the girls. <sighs> <laughs> What? 21-year-old he'd met in a bowling alley during a family outing with Demi and the girls. So, good, good dude. She learns this because the woman dude, is... Dude, where are your morals? <laughs> where's your soul? Well, actually, it's, dude? dude, where's your sweater? Because they learn of this oh, because no. she is attempting to sell one on eBay. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, Ashen and Demi decided to present a united front in the hopes that the press would dismiss the incident as a shakedown attempt. And maybe uh, that may have worked. Yeah, had that work. Well, and it extended to the immediate family. They, they let their daughters believe that, you know, it was a baseless rumor and blah, blah, blah. Because like. Ashen's their stepdad. They want to think the best part about him. Oh, sure. Sure. And so she regrets having taken that approach because she says, quote, I cheated them out of the opportunity to process this upset with me as a family. For sure. And really, I mean, again, there was just this sort of growing distance. Like the more she tried to struggle to keep her marriage together, the more it sent her kids away. Like it And the sounds like the more it sends him packing too. Yeah. I think he was just at an age where he was gonna be packing. Like I don't Okay, so Demi says I was strangely flooded with shame. I couldn't shake the feeling that this whole thing was somehow my fault. Because we had brought a third party into our relationship, Ashton said, that blurred the lines and to some extent justified what he'd done. That is such bullshit. I think he felt remorse, but he was also looking for a way to deflect blame to maintain his own perception of himself as a decent family guy. Sure. Which he may have grown into, but just was not at this point. Not at that point in his life, no. So to complicate everything... They were still trying to have a baby. So that wasn't going to happen the old-fashioned way. They went hunting for an egg donor. Okay. So she's like, they've got the paperwork filled out. And Ashton's like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. So she asks him why he had, like, okayed her doing, like, a ton of research on this to make this happen. And he's just like, oh, well, I never thought you'd go through with it. Not a... Yeah. Dude. So, all right, so... I mean, at least he's got the guts to say it then, and you don't have kid number... True. You know, in the world. True. Like, he's... He's learned how to communicate something. Ish. <laughs> As we will see, he really has not. Okay, so she flies to New York for work the next day, and when she gets home a week later... The couple's weekly Kabbalah class was in full swing, and Ashton was not happy to see her. No. His eyes were icy, dead. It was like I was seeing the coldest person I'd ever encountered, nothing like the man I fell in love with years earlier. That night, he said, I think I should move out. Oh. So Demi wanted to do couples counseling, but he was just done. Not into it. Mm -hmm. Yep, she says, I was still very much in our marriage, but I was in it alone now. (laughs) Yeah, that's time to go. 
Yeah. Tom, get out. Really, really sorry. So they kind of agreed to keep it under wraps that he was thinking about moving out. Like it wasn't, nothing was finalized. They were going to see a therapist. He goes to uh, Danny Masterson's bachelor party in San Diego. That 70s show. Yeah. Yeah. Hide. Yeah. I can imagine this was a smart place to be. Yeah. Well, he comes back to L.A. in time to celebrate their sixth wedding anniversary. Mm. Takes her to the same place where uh, they had their first date. Oh, okay. Maybe it looked a little like maybe they were going to give it a shot or something. The next day, she flies back to New York to promote a project. And while she's getting her hair and makeup done, she gets a Google alert on her phone. Ashton Kutcher caught cheating. He had picked up another 21-year-old at... Danny Masterson's bachelor party. Oh, God. So the whole dinner thing was just a, let me keep you happy so you don't. Maybe feeling a little guilty. Yeah. It's a trap. Yeah. She says that he admitted it right away. She Mm. thought she would throw up. And Ashton Kutcher moves out on Armistice Day. (gasps) On her fucking birthday? 2011. 11, 11, 11. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You dick. Yeah. Divorce was finalized in 2013. Uh, in between his infidelities, two of Demi's three kids stopped talking to her. So this is this gets like super, super painful. She traces their estrangement to an incident in the spring of 2011 when Tallulah, the youngest, who was still living at home, got busted for underage drinking and went into full-on fuck-you-mom rage. Ooh. Like, But the problem... So she like got arrested. I guess Demi didn't hug her at the police station. Like... Just didn't, I don't know, like maybe she had a bad mom moment and the kid was already super angry. Yeah. So she had to leave town for a charity event a few days later. Anyway, like pretty quickly, it seemed like the rest of the family was sort of siding with Tallulah Mm -hmm. (laughs) on this. Yeah, Tallulah wouldn't leave Bruce's place, wouldn't talk to her. Which, you know, she was a teenager pushing boundaries, which is normal. But what was not normal was that the whole family was siding with her. Scout was at college and wouldn't talk to her. Mysteriously, she needed space. Bruce wouldn't discuss the girl's situation vis-a-vis mom with Demi. Which I guess is probably pretty standard. Like, maybe he didn't kind of know how to help. And he wasn't going to kind of sell out whatever they were telling him. So, yeah, Bruce was, like, he was busy. He had just gotten remarried, so he's starting, you know, his new life with Emma. Sure. Um, and just wa- <laughs> really didn't want his, like, ex-wife drama in that moment either, I think. It I just can, kind that, of all, that, yeah. It's fair. So, you know, everyone in the family sort of decided that, you know, Demi was at fault for this this big rift that was mm. developing. And so from her perspective, the problem was that the girls were angry that she had become so dependent on Ashton, like that her, you know, just her sense of identity was really wrapped up with this Ashton. This is not our mom, yeah. Right. Uh, I was addicted to him is the best way I can put it, she oh. wrote. And she did all the things that addicts do. She prioritized the addiction over her own needs, over the needs of her children. Mm. I made strange, unconvincing justifications for my behavior and his, she writes, which is... Yes, that's the sign that you're in a terrible relationship. Yep. So by January of 2012, Demi was down to 96 pounds. She had apparently reverted back to her eating addiction. Yep. So she began misusing migraine medication. 
She tried to cheer herself up by throwing a party and invited Rumor, the only one of her children who was still speaking to her at uh, that point. Okay. She overdoes it on whippets, nitrous oxide. Who the f- You're a middle-aged woman. Yeah, yeah. Who's doing whippets? You she do that is. when you're 12 and you can't get drugs. Well, so I looked into this and like, I didn't... What the fuck? I don't think I ever did whippets, but I certainly didn't view them as a particularly dangerous... Oh, they do. can be really dangerous, well, but 12-year-old boys do whippets. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, she she whippets it enough to... Uh, yeah, I don't know how you pluralize that properly. Yeah. She used enough whippets that... So when you overdo, they will cause seizure-like symptoms. Your yeah. facial muscles go into crazy contractions. Rumor is with her. Suddenly her mom is apparently having a seizure. Although, oh, God. And Rumor's doing what Demi did with Demi's mom all those years. Basically, like, oh, God. Yeah. Demi ends up hospitalized. Again, this made headlines at the time. She's like, it's not like I went wild and overdosed. I just had a weird reaction. No, Demi. <laughs> no. Okay. No. So the seizure or apparent seizure, mimic seizure, I don't know drug-induced seizure mimicry, scared Rumor badly enough that she stopped talking to Demi, too. Wow. I assume this is an incredibly low moment in her life. Like, all of her children are estranged from her. Her ex-husband, who has always been very supportive, is washing his hands of it. Her latest ex-husband is really a piece of shit. She's fallen in the hole of addiction. And she's fallen in the hole of addiction. Mm. So, yeah, she... Probably didn't grasp the full extent of how her personal problems were affecting everyone around her because of the addiction. She also doesn't remember everything that happened, which is also a problem. What she does remember is, quote, I felt villainized by my family. I was angry that my girls weren't showing me any compassion and that Bruce refused to intercede. And I was embarrassed that I'd put myself in this position. They all wanted me to go to rehab and say, my name is Demi and I don't drink. And once I did a whip it. I knew that the real problem wasn't drugs or alcohol. So she did eventually get treatment. It still took time for her relationship with her family to improve. Her daughters refused to come to rehab to participate in family week. And they avoided her for a while after she completed the program. Probably protecting themselves and making some boundaries for them. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So this is the prologue. So this is the prologue to her memoir. Quote, the husband who I thought was the love of my life had cheated on me and then decided he didn't want to work on our marriage. My children weren't speaking to me. No happy birthday calls, no Merry Christmas texts, nothing. Their father, a friend I'd counted on for years, was gone from my life. The career I'd scrambled to create since I moved out of my mother's apartment when I was 16 years old was stalled, or maybe it was over for good. Everything I was attached to, even my health, had abandoned me. I was getting blinding headaches and losing weight scarily fast. I looked like I felt destroyed. Mm. So over time, she has managed. I mean, it's this is these are events of seven years ago now. Right. Um, and she has managed to repair her relationship with her daughters and with Bruce Willis. And as I said earlier, they all attended the book launch party with Emma, his uh, his current wife. Uh, Her daughter, Rumor, has been very outspoken in support of her mother's decision to share her story. And told, uh, Rumor told hosts of the talk, What I really respect about her is that she's never the victim in her stories. She takes accountability. She takes responsibility. And mind you, this is her perspective, her story, and she's the first one to say that. 
she's allowing herself to show everyone that you can go through some really difficult, hard things and you can still be someone who's thriving and taking accountability and just being a strong survivor. So that's kind of where she is today. I mean, I don't know if it's... Here's the thing. Tell me the thing. She's alive and doing well. And so it's not the end. Like it's... I was going to say, so that's the end of that story, but no, it's not. No, it's another chapter. She's got... She's going to be 60 next November. Like her birthday, November 11th. Happy 59th birthday. Sure. Demi coming up. Oh, yeah. This week. Yeah. Armistice Day. There you go. Okay. Ashton Kutcher, meanwhile, started dating his former That 70s Show co-star Mila Kunis during the couple's separation in 2012. But again, he'd moved out uh, 11-11-11. Plenty of time. They were on break. (laughs) So the divorce from Demi was finalized in late 2013. He and Mila became engaged in 2014, had a baby that October. They got married July of 2015, had a son in 2016. And aside from his acting work, he is also a venture capitalist with a wide array of business investments, including a bunch of tech startups. His net worth is like $150 million. Holy smokes. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, the book does not paint a particularly flattering portrait of young Ashton Kutcher. Maybe he's settled down a bit. Who is now, yeah, he is now older by all accounts that I'm aware of. Like he's a dedicated family man, which he, I think, planned to be before he got into the wrong marriage. Anyway, he obliquely addressed the revelations that his ex-wife made in her memoir in a tweet saying, I was about to push the button on a really snarky tweet. Then I saw my son, daughter, and wife, and I deleted it. Sounds like he's grown up a little. Mm-hmm. This was responded to by none other than Monica Lewinsky. Oh, what'd she have to say? Who wrote, my drafts folder is full of those. No. <laughs> and that is the really unfortunate story of... The wild ride life. Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore, who... I mean, they worked for a minute, but when they stopped working, they <laughs> they stopped working. So how many trash cans? I I mean, that. I think that gets a full five. There's okay. cheating. There's estrangement from family. There's estrangement from friends. Threesomes, drug addictions, there's whippets. Whippets. Does anybody have whippets on their bingo card? It is. Yeah, I would full on five. Yeah. But Demi Moore's a survivor. Seems to be, yeah. Just, uh, she's claiming it mm-hmm. and doing it and not... Like, How many years of therapy and work on yourself do you have to have done to write a memoir this telling and this? As many as she has. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's probably the right answer. Um, Also, I I think my takeaway from this episode, though, is that Bruce Willis is genuinely a really good guy. I don't think he's the worst guy. Yeah. (laughs) Comparatively. Yeah. He's not the worst guy. I mean, it sounds like he... Probably had some cheating as well and whatever, but good dad, good supportive co-parent, good, like, good friend to his ex. Good for him. I've always had a soft spot for Bruce Willis. Yeah. A little bit. Ever since Moonlighting? Yeah. 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 All right. All right. That's all I've got. hell of a trashy divorce arc. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And again, big thanks to Blossom for the research help this week. Blossom, you're the best. Yeah. Once again... Thanks for inviting us into your earbuds Yay. for yet another week. Y'all are the very best. Thanks for listening. And we hope that you will keep it trashy. Yeah, until we meet again. Yep. Keep it trashy, but not like the 
What plaza in Die Hard? Not like Hans Gruber. Nakatomi. There you go. Don't keep it as trashy as Hans Gruber or Ashton Kutcher. (laughs) Cheers, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.